If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14. I preached this um, out of this chapter Thursday to uh, the preachers of Tri-State Preachers Fellowship, and I appreciate your prayers. God really blessed and used, I believe, the message on do you have a place of prayer? Do you have a place of prayer? The Lord's leaving Gethsemane now. He's been arrested by his, uh, this band of men, which is estimated about 600 men plus Judas, kissed him and whispered hypocritically, Master, Master, and he, they lead him away, and he finds himself in a trial. And this is an unfair trial, but it's a trial that um, is an unusual trial, because the trial is the first trial that I've ever heard of where the judge and the jury were found guilty. The judge and jury. So I'd like to title this message. Brother Cody likes to put a title on the messages, uh, so we'll put one on it. Amen. The day the judge and the jury was found guilty. Let's stand on the Word of God, starting with verse 53. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and elders and the scribes. It's called the Sanhedrin. That's 71 people. Uh, 70 of these Pharisees and one high priest. And Peter followed him afar off, even unto the palace of the high priest. And he sat with the servants and warmed, warmed himself at the fire. And the chief priests and all the council sought for a witness against Jesus to put him to death. Listen to this, and found none. For many bear false witnesses against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there arose certain and, uh, and uh, bare false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. But neither so did their witness agree together. And the high priest, verse 60, Mark 14, you with me? And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it that these witnesses, what is it which these witnesses against thee? But he held his peace, and he answered nothing. And again the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And yet, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, and coming in the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we any further witnesses? You have heard the blasphemy. What think ye? And they all condemned him to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him. They spit on him. And to cover his face. And to buffet him. And to say unto him, Prophesy. And the servant did strike him with the palm, palms of their hands. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for standing before this corrupt religious triune, this unorthodox and illegal trial for us. God, thank you for standing for us and being a witness of your truth and your deity and God of your love. Now, God, help us to have enough evidence to convict us that we're Christians. 
God, as I made some visits this week and heard the testimonies of people that are on death row in the hospital, and they gave witness that they were saved, and I thought to myself, I've never seen it. Breaks my heart. God, I believe by their fruits you'll know them. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us to have a witness of the Holy Ghost that you are who you are. And God, I pray that we'd be proof positive evidence of your love, your grace, your mercy, and even, Lord, your power. So, Lord, give us strength and grace to preach this morning. And thank you, dear God, for the Word of God that we have to preach. Lord, convict souls that are not saved. Convict us all that we need to follow you more closely. And God, may we stand for you when we're put on trial by this unfair world. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we preached last Sunday, the Lord was forsaken by his own disciples and betrayed by Judas. And now he's delivered to the high priest and the Sanhedrin and Jesus accused and condemned by the very people he came to save. They arrested him, they arraigned him, they accused him, they condemned him, and they believed that they were judging Jesus that night. But let me just notify you, they weren't judging Jesus. Jesus was judging them. And this is the first time that I've ever heard in a trial where a judge is found guilty. And the jury is found guilty. And everybody that was spectating and watching the trial, they were the guilty ones. And folks, we're the guilty ones. We all fall short of the glory of God, and, and uh, none of us is perfect, but the one that stood on trial that day was perfect. He's the perfect Lamb of God. And folks, I want you to see in verse 53, first of all, the spectators around the, the trial. The person's name is Peter. And I'll preach on that tonight if Brother um, Reed's not able to make it, or I'll preach next Sunday morning. I, I, either way, I'll have to get ready quick, but y'all pray for me. Amen? But I, I believe with all my heart that Peter's problem is found in verse 54. I believe with all my heart the problem in my life is found in verse 54. And I believe the problem in most Christians' life is found in verse 54. The Bible says, And Peter followed him, Afar off. Afar off. You know, we, we live in a day and age where people are content with just a little dab of do you. Now, all of you that don't know what that commercial is even talking about, but in my day, we had Brill Cream. Just a little dab of do you. I must have put too much on me, amen. But anyway, it, it just, it, it, but to say the least, Christians have, are Brill Cream Christians. Just a little dab of do you. I don't want to get very involved now. I mean, I'll come on Sunday morning. And I might come on Sunday night, but uh, uh, visitation, uh, prayer meeting, fasting and praying and uh, being involved in the bus ministry and teaching a class, oh, I'll just have a little fringe benefit here, go to heaven and follow him afar off. And then not only we see the person, Peter, but we see the place afar off, but we see the people. He set with the servants. The Bible says in verse 54, he sat with the servants. Now what servants? The servants of God? No. I'm talking about the servants of the political system that anti-Christ. 
that's against God, that uh, has put Jesus on trial, that wants to condemn him of blasphemy. And then we see not only that, but we see the pursuit of the spectators. He warmed himself at the fire. Now let me just caution you real quick, and I'll preach on this uh, in verse 56 through 72. But you better watch where you warm yourself. You better watch where you entertain yourself. You better watch who you hang around with because I'm going to tell you something. You're a product of what you read and who you hang around with. If you hang around the crowd that's anti-Christ and against God and wants to crucify Him because He's God, uh, your worship will be very shallow. and Your fellowship will be very distant. And your heart will be very cold. One day you'll join them. Hey, listen, I want to tell you something. You hang around them long enough, they'll rub off on you, and they'll ruin you. Amen? I believe we ought to be in a crowd that loves Jesus. I believe we ought to listen to the music that loves Jesus. I believe we ought to have Jesus as our best friend every day of our life. So straighten up your music. Straighten up your literature. Straighten up your thought life. Because, folks, you can't do it. Only the Holy Ghost can. We warm next to the enemy's fire. We'll find out. We'll join them. We'll cuss and deny that we even know Jesus. I can't believe Peter cussed. But I can't believe he he denied the Lord after seeing all the miracles and the mercy of God. So I want to get to the trial. First of all, I want you to see they were guilty of their conspiracy. Look at verse um, fifty. Five, it says, and the chief priests and all the council sought for witnesses against Jesus and put him to death, and they found none. Both Jesus was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, he was first taken to the home of Annas uh, uh, in John 18, 13, it says, and then he went bound to Caiaphas, and our text deals with the Lord's trial before the Sanhedrin, 71 members of the Supreme Court of Religion. God delivers from religion. It'll kill you. It's dead as a doornail. Say amen. Religion. That's what, uh, I, I promised Brother Howard I wouldn't mention uh, anything about uh, his team this morning, but I, I can't ever root for anybody that's a Mormon. I just can't. Amen. Some people say, oh, you didn't root for Tennessee yesterday. I sure did because they're playing a bunch of Mormons. Mormons, Mormons are wrong. Mormons, have her- Mormons think work salvation. Amen. I ain't rooting for no Mormons. And I'm not going to hang around them. I'm not going to fellowship with them, and I'm not going to have an ice cream social when they move into town. Amen? Uh, I'm not hanging around Islams. Amen? I don't know if you know that, but they declared war on 9-11, and they, they, they killed many of our folks, Islamic terrorists. I can't hang around them. I ain't going to share a platform with them. I'm not going to have an ice cream social with them. And folks, I want to tell you something. Here it is. They bound him and brought him to an illegal trial. Why was it illegal? Well, number one, it was illegal because when they held it, they held it at night. It wasn't the regular hours of the court. Hey, when, then the way they held it, it was the eve of the Sabbath and, and the Jewish law required a day of adjournment in the event of conviction. It was, they, they, they gave the guilty sentence. They could not sentence anyone. They were just an investi- investigation committee. Um, they're like those Senate committees, amen? You know, just investigate everything about you. 
especially if you stand for conservative values, stand pro-life, they'll try to rake you over the coals to get you to be disqualified from the Supreme Court of our nation. Thank God there is some Supreme Court justices that believe life begins at conception. Say amen right there. You say, that's political. That's not political, that's biblical. I'll preach the Bible anytime I want to. And then I see they, their charges were changed. At first they threatened to uh, threaten him because he, he threatened to destroy the temple. And then they changed their uh, offense to he, he's blaspheming. He's, he's claiming to be God. Well, he didn't have to claim to be God. He is God. Amen. Then they allowed no defense before the court. Can you imagine that? Here's a, here's a trial and there's no defense attorney. attorney. But I want to tell you something. My Lord not, does not need a defense. He is truth standing in the midst of a corrupt system. And then they pronounced the death sentence. By law, the Sanhedrin could not convict, pass down a death sentence. It was illegal why they held it. The reason they held it, because they wanted to kill him. Because the Bible says in the next chapter, um, Pilate knew that they delivered him. Look at verse 10, Mark 15. It says, For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for Envy. Envy. See, he was still in their crowd. He was still in their allegiance. He was still in their loyalty. And I want to tell you something. False cults don't like for somebody to steal their crowd. And folks, we see that they, uh, they sought illegal witnesses. Look at verse 55. And the chief priests and all the council sought for witnesses against Jesus. To put him to death. What happened? They found none. Even Pilate said, I find no fault in him. He's the perfect Lamb of God. Amen. Don't you ever forget it. God is the judge, not you, and not religion. And we see that they sought, and folks, the word salt means they to seek out, to hunt. And then verse 56, here it is. And many bear false witnesses against him, but their witness agreed not together. They were false witnesses. I'll tell you why the trial was so illegal. They had to conjure up their own witnesses, and when they found the witnesses, they couldn't agree, and then when they found the witnesses, they were false. They're just a bunch of liars. Many of them came forth, and they lied against the one that's never hurt them, that only did good and only said the truth. One day at the judgment, there's going to be a reckoning to that crowd and to everyone that denies the truth, the way, and the life, Jesus. Yes, Brother Darrell, we have a special need, and that need is Jesus. Amen. Every sinner on this earth needs a, needs a Savior, needs the Savior, not a Savior. But look at verse 57 and 58, and there rose a, a certain... Um, rose certain and bare false witnesses against him, saying, well, this is what they said. This is ridiculous. Verse 58. We heard him say, I will destroy this temple. They were pointing to the holy place, the holies of holies. The building, the place where they sacrificed. Now listen to this. It says, and uh, that is made with hands, and within three days I will build another made without hands. So here was the big accusation. He's going to destroy this place and he's going to rebuild it supernaturally, and that's what he said. Well, he didn't say that. You'll turn to John chapter 2. We'll see what he said. John chapter 2, verse 18, 
or 19 and verse 21 also. John chapter 2 and look at verse 19. The Bible says, Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. <laughs> Amen. Look at, look at verse uh, 21. But he spake of the temple of his body. Amen. He said, hey, listen, go ahead. Crucify me. Kill me. But three days later, I'll rise again. Amen. And I want to tell you, friend, temple refers to his body. Never referred to a building, and that's all they had on Jesus. But you know what's discouraging about this trial? Where's Lazarus? Where's Zacchaeus? Where's the Gadarean maniac? Where's the demonic man that's now sitting in his right mind? Where's the woman with the issue of blood? Where's Nicodemus? Where's all the people that he touched? Let me just ask you a question. Where's the disciples? And where's Peter? He stood there alone as far as the Bible says. And he said not one word. Folks, they were guilty of their conspiracy. And then number two, they were guilty of their confrontation. In verse 60, they get real brave and they start confronting our Lord. Look at verse 60. And it says, And the high priest stood up in the midst, asked Jesus, saying, Answer thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? But he held his peace and answered nothing. And again, the high priest asked him and said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And so they asked him the question. They confronted him. And look at verse 62. And Jesus said, I am. I don't believe he was sweating then because he'd already found peace in the garden. I don't believe he was wrestling with the will of God. I believe he was submitted to that. And he said, I am. And when he said, I am, and he said something else, he predicted something was going to take place. He says, and ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. He warned them. He says, justice is coming. He said, I want to tell you something. One day, every tongue will be ceased against me. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Amen, Amen Brother Randy. What you said was accurate. No matter what people say about being, him being Lord, he is Lord. And he needs to be your Lord. needs to be my Lord because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. He's God. He's truth, he's right, whether we want to believe it or not, or whether we like it or not. And folks, Caiaphas was very shameful in that he said, hey, you're going to say nothing? In verse 61, there was silence. And then finally, he could not hold his peace. He said, I want you to ask me, I want to answer, ask you this question. Are you, are you the Christ, the Son of the blessed. And he simply said with great composure, I am. When, when Moses was going to ask, face the God of this world, little g, and that's who they crowned God of this world, a Pharaoh. They looked at him as God. They sacrificed to him. They crowned him as king of the world. 
Moses said, hey, I'm not eloquent of speech. I really don't look forward to going before this king because who am I? And Jesus said this, and I love this, Brother John. God said, just tell them the I am sent you. Amen? The I am has sent you. And so Moses got strength in who sent him. And Moses got strength in the name of Jesus. The I am sends us into this world. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. No, I'm sick and tired of people being question marks for Jesus. I believe we ought to be exclamation points with God. Not rude, not not brass, but I mean confident that the I am has sent you. That's what made the difference in the, in the place called Gethsemane. Jesus Christ just surrendered everything to the will of God and he got up from that place of saying, Thy cup pass from me, the wrath of God, please, Lord, there's another way. And he said, Okay, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. And he went in the name of God, in his name, the I am. And folks, we have great confidence and we have great strength and we got great peace when we surrender to the I am. I wish everybody get this. Folks, God has not called you to represent your name. God has not called you to represent your cause. And God's not called you to plead your message and your truth. God's called you to plead His truth and represent His name. What a high calling. Thank God the disciples will soon get it at the day of Pentecost and there'll be thousands of people saved. But folks, now they're hiding. Peter's warming himself next to the enemy's fire. And Jesus is standing for them and for you. And folks, he said something besides I am. He said, and I'm coming. I'm coming. The Bible says, I'm going to be sitting on the right hand of the power. The right hand of power. And then he said, I want you to know this, Sanhedrin. I'm coming in the clouds of heaven. Now, I got to read this before I close. Revelation chapter 19 is what he was referring to. He was making a prophecy. He was telling them, one day, one day, I'm going to come, and I'm not going to sit here and let you crucify me and put me on a cross and beat me to a pulp and spit in my face, which is totally disrespectful. Coming in the clouds. When I come in the clouds, this is going to be the scene. I'm looking forward to this, aren't you? We're going to come with him. Seven years before this fact, we're going to be raptured up. But look at verse 11. And he saw heaven open, Revelation 19. I saw heaven open, behold, a white throne. And he that sat upon it was called faithful in what? Truth. They put truth on trial. And he says, and in righteousness, he doth what? Judge. Judge. They're trying to prosecute the judge of all judges. Can somebody say amen? Look at this. And make war. It says, the faithful and true and righteous and doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was, listen to this. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. 
And the armies which were in the heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of the mouth goeth a sharp sword, that which was, should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. Folks, he said, I'm coming, and this is the way he's coming. So all you big shot Sanhedrin, big shot religious, religionists, and you Caiaphas, the high priest that you think is the high priest, I'm coming. And I am coming because I am the I am. They were guilty of condemnation. We see in verse 62, back in our text real quick. It says, And Jesus said, I am, and he that is see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming to it. Then the high priest rent his clothes and said, What need we any further witnesses? We have heard the blasphemy and thank ye, and they all condemned it to be, to be guilty of death. And some began to spit on him, and cover his face, and buffet him, and to say with him, prophesy, and servants did strike him in the palms of his hands. And folks, we see there's a drama. He rents his clothes. Era loves drama. Men with no substance loves drama. Some preachers try to produce drama in their preaching because they have no substance. We don't need drama. We just need the direct word of God preached, amen. That's enough drama. We don't need a uh, uh, praise team and we don't need flares and we don't need rock and roll music and we don't need a show. We don't need a drama. What we need is the substance of the word of God preached amen. in power and demonstration. And folks, they had the drama. The world always wants a drama. And folks, I want to tell you something. He said there needs to be no more witnesses. And you know, Caiaphas was right about that. They need to be no more witnesses of who Jesus was and Jesus is. His life, his teaching, his works were ample proof of who he is. And folks, I want to tell you something. They had not proven one thing to condemn him. Not one thing. And in their renting of the robes, they, they uh, said he's blasphemed God. No, he didn't blaspheme God. They blasphemed God. The day the judge and the jury was found guilty, guilty, guilty. And folks, the day that you look at this trial, you ought to look at yourself and say, I am guilty. I'm a sinner falling short of the glory of God and I should not hold Jesus in uh, in, in, in a trial of my life or whether I'm going to serve him or not, whether I'm going to accept it or not, he ought to hold me in trial. And I am guilty. And then we see in the conclusion of it, the deity of Christ has been pronounced. And folks, if you don't accept the deity of Christ, you're not accepting the Bible. Right. He is God. Amen. And I want to show you something that breaks my heart. Now, I don't know if this stirs you or not, but if you've got your Bible, look at it, verse 65, and circle it with your tears. Circle it with, with an awe in your heart that somebody would do this to our Lord. But he says, and they began to spit on him. Spit on him. Now, folks, that's an act of the greatest contempt and indignation that is possible. It's looking upon him more despicable than the very ground they spit upon. Our teacher pointed out, about spitting on the ground before a person when they disdained him, disrespected him. Well, Jesus was spit on like the ground. 
And, that's, and that, he was beat, and that spit probably dripped down his beard. Maybe across his eyes that he looked upon them in love and grace and mercy, and they spit on him. You know, a lot of people can do a lot of things to me, and people have said some very hurtful things to me and my family over the years, especially the religionists, and especially the people that try to stand against old-fashioned religion. But boy, if somebody spits on me, I hope I got the grace of God to turn the other cheek. That might be where I backslide about 10 minutes and beat the pulp out of somebody or try to, amen? And that would be wrong. I know it would. I'm confessing my weakness right now. Don't spit on me. You can talk about me. Don't spit on me. I don't think anybody in here would try that. But folks, they spit on our Lord. And He took it. He took it for you. And then they covered His face. Now this is really cruel. The Bible says in Matthew 26, verse 68, that when they covered his face, only they put a sack over his head or what, and he's standing there just as innocent as the Lamb of God is. And they hit him. And they hit him. And they beat him. And they hit him again. These religionists. I'll be finished in just a minute. Check your watch. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. He could have called one angel and broke their backs, broke their heart and wiped them out. And he took it for you. And they said, prophesy who struck you. Well, let me just say this in closing. The omniscient Lord one day is going to shock that crowd because he's going to know each one of them that hit him. He's going to know their name. If their name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, he's going to cast him into the bottomless pit. And they're going to be shocked that they were found out on that day of that unfair trial. And see, God knows you. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he, when he suffered, he threatened not. He committed himself to him that judges righteousness. See, the Lord could have stopped that thing right there and said, not only are you condemned, you're guilty, and I'm going to wipe you out right now. He could have called one angel. But he took it. And they sped on him. They buffeted him, and they mocked him. That was the first of a, of a beating that he was about to have from Pilate and others in the next chapter. Why did he do it? Because he was taking your judgment. He was bearing your sins. And he was reminding you, you're guilty. You're guilty. The Bible says through one man's sin, disobedience, sin entered into this world. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None is righteous, no, not one. 
And folks, the Bible says the wage of sin is death. Somebody had to die, and Jesus going through this trial was headed to that place where he'd die in your place. Now what should that do in our souls? Number one, if you're lost, you ought to get saved. I didn't save you as a member of the church. I didn't save you try to be good enough because your goodness is not good enough. There is not a ladder to heaven. There is a cross. Why did he have to put up with all that junk? Because he took your sin debt. He paid your price. And he looked at that judge and didn't say a word. But I'll tell you what, by not saying a word, he said, I am. When he did say a word, he said two words, I am. And then he said, and I'm coming. And when I come, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that I am Lord. Number two, not only should you get saved, Number two, you ought to surrender your whole life to one that would stand for you. Amen. And stop being ashamed of the gospel. You ought to take a public stand when they put you on trial. Let me just ask you a question. If you were put on trial, would there be enough evidence to convict you that you're a Christian? Amen, Pete. You, know, you remember the visit we had this week. Is there enough evidence to convict you that you're a Christian? You can say you're saved all day long, but by their fruits you'll know them. And by where you stood and who you fellowshiped with and what thrilled your heart and folks, who you accepted. And folks, you just didn't accept a good prophet. You didn't accept just a good uh, uh, man, a, a good religion, religious leader. You accepted Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus as your personal Savior, and He is Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And with all your life, there ought to be one desire that you have. And that's to stand for Him because He first stood for you. Amen. Father, use this message. Thank you, God, for this passage of Scripture. It hadn't been a very enjoyable message. We hadn't shouted. We, it's not a glorious, hallelujah, shouting message. But God, it is when we think about the second coming and when you set everything straight, when the governments of this world is on your shoulders, and you're, prince of, you're the prince of peace, but God, you're the coming judge. Lord, thank you for standing and being sped upon and being beat and being questioned and being humiliated. And when your own disciples wouldn't stand with you, because you were standing for me. A little 11 and a half year old boy with nothing to offer anyone, you stood for me. And God, not only did you stand in that trial, but God, you went on to Calvary and took my sin, debt, and took my death, and took the fury of the wrath of God in that cup and paid the price because your truth because you're right because you are the son of God Lord thank you for the privilege of standing for you this morning and doing anything in the house of God for you this morning and God would you give us the privilege tomorrow to stand for you and I'll have an opportunity to speak to a lot of sinners tomorrow and God may we stand in your power and your strength but in your grace and your mercy Oh, if it hadn't been for you, we'd be in the crowd that's still spitting 
still buffeting and still ridiculed and still question you as God. Lord, thank you for saving our unworthy soul. And thank you for going to trial for us. You knew no sin, but became sin. 